Welcome to What's the Word Downtown, a weekly podcast dedicated to mining the depths of the word, a word that's sharp and active in downtown Tyler, Texas. Join Eric, Matt, and Mike as we get the word out at Bethel. Welcome back to What's the Word Downtown. Eric, good to have you, bro. Great to be back. It was a barn burner yesterday. Oh, thank you. Really appreciated that message, man. Ephesians 5, what, 6 through... uh, 15 to 21. 15 through 21. I was way off. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Look out. Watch out. There should be a song in there about walking the line. Walk the line. Look carefully at how you walk. He's asking the Ephesians now to consider things anew. Mm-hmm. And when you say things anew, your walk, you talked a little bit about what the walk is, the functional living mm-hmm. out of your theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they have a new theology. He's literally teaching them theology in mm-hmm. this letter, and he's asking them to react uh, in, in keeping with and act in keeping with uh, what we now believe and know about God in light of Christ's coming, yeah. death, and ascension. Resurrection and ascension. So, um, the first the first bit that might could use some teasing out is this, this is understanding about making the best of the days oh. because they're evil. That was helpful. I'd like for you to reiterate a little bit of that so we can talk about it. Yeah. Well, he's talking about a Christian's walk, meaning their philosophy, their ethic of life, their moving about. Mm-hmm. And it's the fifth time he's talked about a walk. So that's instructive that this repetition, that's the fifth time he's mentioned how to walk around. Mm-hmm. This is a Jewish man sitting in a Gentile prison, writing to a Gentile church, instructing them on how they are to live net of the resurrection of Jesus mm-hmm. and judicially, therefore, their resurrection. How mm-hmm. do you walk alive in a land full of dead? Mm-hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. so he's trying to explain to them again and again to this very Western civilization Mm -hmm. context how these people are to live in light of Yahweh, the God of Israel, sending Messiah, and they're now found in him. And so he could have used a whole lot of expressions to say, make the most use or optimize. There's Mm -hmm. a very, that's a very Mm -hmm. Greek and Roman notion, but he doesn't say that. Mm -hmm. He says, buy back from the market. It's a technical term. He's used it in Galatians 3.16, in Galatians 4.5, to buy back the time. There is a default depravity and a lostness to our time. Mm -hmm. Nobody is as good or as bad as they probably would be. Our society, our culture, then as now, sort of bombards us into center of just being meh. I mean, you're not, no one's ever going to be as bad as they could be because there's laws, there's cultural, societal mores that sort of pummel you this way, but you're also not going to be as imago dei, image of God, as you could be because there's also this messaging that says you should get what you want, you should, you deserve to be happy, you're entitled. And so Paul's saying, you've got to seize the reins of the time and you've got to redeem it. You've got to buy it back from its default depravity and its proclivity to waste. Eric, if I'm in the middle of the day and I don't have something planned, I'm definitely going to eat a bowl of cereal and I don't (laughs) feel better afterwards. Right. Three o'clock bowl of cereal does not make you feel better. Tastes good going down, but it just doesn't make you feel better. No. Same same way. If I don't have anything going on, ah, Facebook. 
Right. Maybe it makes me feel good for a moment, but really afterwards it's sort of like, well, I just gave a little bit more of my time to some entity that didn't actually lead to a, a feeling of fulfillment, mm-hmm. but maybe kind of an emptying of... It is. You know. Either flickering pixels yeah. or comfortable yeah. carbs, yeah. as I like to call <laughs> there them. There you go. Always seems like it's going to satisfy and fulfill and bring what I really long for, which is contentedness. Fullness, fullness. And never mm-hmm. once in my history or in human history has it actually paid off. Mm-hmm. And yet there's such a siren song that draws us. We know better, but man, I just, I mean, it's kind of like you get the shakes and you're like, I just need a quick hit. But, a quick you, but you talked about yesterday about the world being a construct that is, like you said, siren songs of worry about things that are temporal. You need to be anxious about, are you anxious? We have a fix for that. It's Facebook or Golden Grams, you know, whatever that, just to carry. <laughs> Teddy Grams. Teddy Grams. Teddy Grams. Okay. Okay. Is that yeah, right? yeah. But the idea that the default of the world is to cause you to be concerned about yourself mm-hmm. in a way that would l- then lead you to be sort of the chief comforter of yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 why the movie, if I may, yes, date may. myself here with The Matrix. Okay. Where they talk about it's this false construct yep. that the machines with their artificial intelligence had to create for humans. Mm-hmm. The first iteration, the first version mm-hmm. of the construct was perfection and it failed because mm-hmm. humans couldn't cope with that. That had to bake in struggle mm-hmm. and they had to bake in a thing where you have to always vie to be in somehow inoculated to reality, mm-hmm. which was super telling. I don't know if the Wachowski brothers, yeah. now sisters, were super wow. intentional yeah. about that, if they really understood what they were saying, but it's brilliant. All of our cultural, not all, a lot of our cultural uh, whispers are, man, just numb the the longing, numb the longing, sort of assuage that that flicker of of moreness. No, 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 this will do, this will do. And so it's always this siren song to settle. And we as Christians are no different. We're we're just as susceptible to the the call to settle. And like you said, man, I can say this out loud. By this afternoon, I'm supposed to be studying. Mm-hmm. It's a quick look over mm-hmm. to grab my phone mm-hmm. and to just uh, to settle. Mm-hmm. So it requires, as Paul's going to talk about, a whole lot of deciding in advance, preparation, planning. And so that takes effort and forethought because if we're always just responding, yeah. then we're always busy and we're frenetic and that means we're actually lazy. But it's such a downer, Paul. I mean, you know, you're, here you are telling us the days are evil. Right. I mean, but there's something about uh, there's, there's something about cognizance of the bad news mm-hmm. <laughs> that leads us to a receptivity to the good news. Of course. And the idea that we uh, we have baked into our sort of hearts and minds. Hey, if I don't look to actively seek and serve and reflect God in my life, I will in one way or another, whether I'm whether I'm aware of it or not, I will be sort of in a a toilet bowl. Nothing drifts to good. Yeah. It there's a downward momentum. There's entropy in our lives, in our world. Nothing drifts to good. We have to intentionally seize it and not be on autopilot. It's We're the constant gardeners, aren't we, in Christ? Absolutely. Remaking and recreating yes. Eden 
by recognizing how evil the days are and how many thorns and thistles abound. But but the the neat thing about darkness is yeah. is yes, it's darkness. But it's the same principle as when you go to buy an engagement ring or any piece of jewelry. What do they always do? They always put it on a deep, dark, black velvet background mm-hmm. to show the contrast of that gemstone sparkling. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul's saying. It's, hey, Christian, walk in love, walk as light. The days are evil. There's a dark, dark backdrop that actually provides a context in which you, in Christ, and you shine like stars in the night sky. Mm-hmm. Now, that's... Mm-hmm. An encouragement to go, hey, this is hard. Yeah, it is. But it's worth it, particularly when we remember that already in chapters 1 and 3, he said, look, who we are, what we're doing is preparatory and pointing to the age when the days won't be evil. And so, yeah, there's a pouring out of our energy and our time and our talent and all those things, but it is worth it. Now, does that mean we should never, never, never uh, rest and sit still and enjoy friends and family? No, of course not. But if it's an escape idea, I just I just want to escape and numb myself with the video game or a Teddy Graham or whatever it might be, then perhaps there's honestly a pain or a fear that we're not having the courage to actually address mm. head on, mm. which is most of us candidly. Well, and our, if we have, if we drift into a functional theology of glory, mm. then we believe. Now you got to unpack that. Well, okay. Well, so Martin Luther talked about the distinction between a theology of the cross or a theology of glory, a, theo- a theologian of glory, as yep. he calls it, a theologian of glory. But that say, sounds that sounds, sounds so good, good right? It seems like we're studying glory. But if, if we believe that. Uh, that that God is to be found where we are achieving and where we are succeeding. If we are going from strength to strength to strength and avoiding at all costs the valleys, right, the inevitable valleys uh, that characterize our life, well, then we're not that familiar with the darkness, right? And when we're not familiar with the darkness, all we want to do is run from it. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't flee temptation, but what what I find so regularly is that people who believe the problem is out there don't understand the problem that's in here. So in other words, a glory theologian is always focusing on strong right hand, Mm -hmm. achievement, accomplishment, doing and earning. But a theologian of the cross realizes what realizes the heart of the beatitudes Mm -hmm. that to be blessed, to be close to God oftentimes looks like mourning gnashing of teeth, uh, 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 hungering and yearning for righteousness, Mm -hmm. meekness, all of these things that Romans wouldn't want to have anything to do with and Pharisees wouldn't want to have anything to do with. Uh, But Christ exemplified and personified in a way that that astounds us and yet invites us to participate in those Mm -hmm. kinds of things so that that we do find in the valley where we find ourselves maybe separated from the flock or maybe just a feeling of being separated from the flock or loneliness or disillusionment or you name it, the gamut of uh, things that beset us that we'd rather not have characterize our reality, uh, you know, that's where we get to know a shepherd. That's where we get Mm. to know one who came off of the high place, didn't, like Peter said, wanted to make a, 
let's make a uh, on the yeah. Mount of Transfiguration. Yeah. Let's make a temple here. A, let's a make hut. a little yeah. hut here. Let's stay on the mountain. Because the- Peter was ultimately a theologian of glory. He was. And what what did until the resurrection? But but Christ called that theologian of glory Satan. Right. He said, "Get behind me, Satan." Right. He he wanted a theologian of the cross, and that's what he was making all of his disciples. So when you, when he says here, therefore, do not be foolish. Mm-hmm. That might be something like. Understand who Christ is. Don't 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 be darkness anymore. Right, and don't Walk rely on light. common sense. Yeah, the the common sense would say, "Hey, climb the mountain." Mm-hmm. But if you've ever noticed in every energy bar commercial where some guy's on the top of the mountain, mm-hmm. it's a very lonely place. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot of real estate up there, mm-hmm. and there's nothing growing. Mm-hmm. It's the valleys that there's lush growth, and yeah, it's darker down there. But that's really and the sometimes it seems like the wolves have the high place, exactly the high ground, exactly, and we're vulnerable down there. Yes, but we're with him. That's the point. The gospel is it, it's okay that the shepherd's with us, even though it gets dark and sketchy. But a lot of times, in the when we're in the valley, all we want to do is get drunk. <laughs> right, right. Which, get drunk with wine. Yeah. Take. I want to escape this valley because I don't have a theology that makes a space for me to suffer redemptively. Bingo. And to look directly into whatever it is that I'm wanting to escape from yeah. requires honesty, requires transparency to go, you know what? I have seen the enemy and it's me. Jung says, I think it's Jung, the, play, the, the thing that you need most in life will be found in the place you least want to look. Of course. <laughs> I think so. Jung is shamelessly pirating scripture. Okay. I mean, that's Proverbs Well, his, gra- his grandfather was a Baptist pastor or something there you like go. that. you go. Know. I was way off, possibly. Don't fact check me on that. But I do feel like there's something. um, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for it is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Be lifted in a way that that is someone overwhelming you, right? Rather than you trying to overwhelm you. Rather than you being the chief operator of your comfort levels. Mm -hmm. Uh, Allow another to lift you. Right. So don't be a waste. Don't debauchery or dissipation. It's it's empty, vapid, waste, weightless, purposeless, significance, lessness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all this so this word that he uses. But instead, so it's what G.K. T- Chesterton used to call being absent your post. Mm. You've been redeemed, you've been equipped, energized, enabled to stand the post filled with God's spirit and to declare the gospel mm-hmm. in all different sorts of ways. Yeah. But escapism is your, you've abandoned your post. Oh, what are we thinking of here? But, but David, who instead of being down in the valley of the war, bingo, he's up high looking down on the things that he wants and thinking that they're his. That he doesn't have enough. And so yeah. when we get to the end of this passage, mm-hmm. not expressing a spirit of gratitude, but a spirit of grasping. Mm-hmm. I have all this. But what I need is a little bit more, Hmm. which is always going to breed all sorts of destruction and damage that haunted him for the rest of his life, Hmm. ultimately ends up being the shattering of the kingdom. Hmm. I mean, it's that big Mm -hmm. of a consequence. Mm -hmm. So when Paul's telling these Ephesians, I mean, maybe in the back of his mind is what happens with David a thousand years ago. But if it's not directly in his mind, it's the recurring tragedy of Everything scripture. Everything new is old again or yeah, vice versa. Yeah, we it's keep the repeating thing. the same mm-hmm. stuff. And so I think Paul's deep, deep heart for these people in Ephesus who 
a mere three and a half years prior, or whatever it was mm-hmm. when he had first gotten there, had been, I mean, we can't conceive of just how dark and pagan this place was. And then mm-hmm. in walks the Apostle Paul. Yeah. And so Apollos had been there, and there's some other disciples from Priscilla and Aquila, but essentially it's a super dark place. I mean, there's no hint of Jesus. Even the Jews who were there were super crooked and practicing mm-hmm. all sorts of witchcraft and black magic and craziness. And so his heart for them is, hey, look, you've got an exceptionally dark backdrop. Walk wisely. And not just out of a will worship where you're just trying mm-hmm. harder to be better. Like, oh, stop that. No, 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 no. By the Spirit. And so there's this wonderful proverbial contrast. Don't get drunk but be filled with the Spirit, the very person of God indwelling you Ephesian Gentiles Mm -hmm. who were four or five years ago doing things that would make a sailor blush. Now you're indwelled by the Spirit of God himself. Oh, and by the way, everybody around you is still going to be doing things that make a sailor blush. So you're going to need to be equipped. And I love that in this last third of the sermon, which I have to say was maybe your best ever, (laughs) only because it filled my heart with affirmation. Okay. Because Paul doesn't say, Paul doesn't just tell them what not to do. He tells them what to do. Right. And at the in the end, he says, you'll be addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual oh, songs. Man. So see, now you're getting why I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. Because what you you did is you made a space for to delineate those three different uh, areas of praise uh, mm-hmm. that ultimately they may be bringing praise to God, but what they're essentially doing is shortening the distance between you and God because you're speaking things that are true of yourself and true of God and thereby actively dropping resistance. And the more we drop resistance, not only is the space between us and God diminished, yeah, diminished. but the space between you and me, which is really what God cares about. Yeah. Like yeah. Romans 5.1, me and God, we're good. You and God, you're good. Yeah. The the struggle persists in the the liminal spaces between you and me, between me and him or her, mm-hmm. who might live in a different place, vote a different way. Yeah. But when we do psalms and spiritual songs and hymns, man, that is like all these soup cans on a whole tangle of strings. But when you start to pull them together, they all cluster. They come together. Great, great image. That's what worship does. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, and, and the thing about it is, is that in my life, there was a time when I didn't know you. And now there's and now there's a time when I do. And maybe, you know, you take a couple of weeks off in the summer or I do and we don't see each other and we kind of go apart. And I call you and I say, I feel far from you, buddy. We got to right. get together and talk and all that. The thing about it is, is the static reality of Christ's presence with us is absolutely opposite from the way we relate to one another. We relate to one another where it's like, he hurt me. I, she, she shouldn't have said that thing to me. I'm kind of sore at this person or this person just quite, just kind of just irks me and I'd rather stay away from them. We have this fluctuating reality to our relationships, but that's not the way God relates to us, is it? And that's what Paul seems to be saying here is that when you sing these songs, you're being reoriented to the static reality of God's presence with you and not just with you, but with you corporately with everybody else. And that's always the, the, the payoff at the end is that it's not just, which is a huge thing, mm-hmm. me and God, you and God, even us with God, but ultimately that it pays off where Paul says, man, but it brings us together. And we say this all the time. The local church is the hope of the world. It's where community is experienced authentically, where people have a shared love for another. And when people, and I said this at the end, yeah. and I hope I didn't hurt too many yeah. feelings, 
one of those sorry, not sorry moments. Sure. If you are, not you, but if one is deliberately withholding their presence in the fellowship for no other reason other than apathy and lethargy, mm-hmm. it's actually doing damage. It's a person who is purposefully withdrawing their presence indwelled by the Spirit of God from that gathering, and we feel that. Yeah. And so what, it's interesting when Paul says walk wisely, he's not simply saying be moral. Of course that's a part of it. But walk wisely means intentionally move your life to where you're not too busy for worship on Sunday morning. Now, that's sort of the ultimate synthesis and summary. Organize your life in wisdom that you're not too busy, whether it's your kid's homework or their softball tournament in another town. If you're too busy to worship with people, you're not walking wisely. Now, I don't know how you get more direct and convicting than that, but I mean, this passage gets right down into the marrow of our being that the mark of a wise Christian is they're purposefully organizing their lives principally around worship. That's why in the Old Testament we have Sabbath. We don't have that stricture in the New Testament. It's not that you have to. It's know that you get to. You've been given freedom. For freedom Christ set us free that we get to organize our lives around principally corporate worship. It's that big of a deal. But we can't, but we don't always, only a theologian of glory thinks he can come on a Sunday morning and walk away with something that he can definitely count on. And I say that, I say that because it's not a mind trick, right? I mean, right. it's, it's got to become a, a I, I, I like to call it like we call four on the floor when, in the, when I, when I want Lauren to give me that kick, one, mm-hmm. two, three, four, that each week, Sunday, Wednesday, Tuesday afternoon with, I'm going to start rapping here in a Come second. On. What I mean by that is that there's this pulse, there's this locomotion reality yes. to the church and the, and, and, and the local church that, uh, that you're not going to get just once or necessarily twice, but it's got to become a propelling, uh, reality to your life week in and week out, day in and day out, out of, like he says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Yeah. I'm look. Terrible images we land this plane here, but I'm not a NASCAR fan. It's just too many left turns. But a lot of people, I think, think of church and corporate worship as merely the pit stop. I'm going to drive as hard as I can, and at Mm -hmm. some point, I'm going to run out of fuel or blow a tire. I need to pull into pit. You, Matt, sing that song that I like. Gas me up as quick as you can, and I'm gone. Give me the feels. Yeah, but that's not really the image ever in Scripture. A, because there's no such thing as NASCAR mm-hmm. in the writing of Scripture. But yeah. B, even the idea and the notion is, no, 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 no. It's we are all riding in this thing together, going through valleys and dark seasons mm-hmm. and hardships together. It's not that we pull off occasionally for a pit stop. No, no, no. This whole thing of walking wisely is always a group project. Mm-hmm. And the Lord mm-hmm. Jesus has tied a bunch of really nice thick knots mm-hmm. on this rope that we all get to stack hands on as the Spirit of God leads us together. The Spirit of God's never going to lead Matt that direction and Mike that direction. Mm-hmm. No, that's the brilliance mm-hmm. of sovereignty and the indwelling of the Spirit is that in this community, the Spirit really is wanting to lead us forward. If we find tensions and conflicts, it's because we're paying too much heed to some other counter-messaging that's right. And so, man, what a grace, though, that we get to go, okay, so you know what? We got distracted there. And I haven't seen you in a whole year or whatever because of COVID or whatever else has been going on. But we know this is God's plan. And for us to walk wisely means we do it together. Yeah. My favorite, one of the first 
st- book study I ever led was Sit, Walk, Stand mm. by Watchman Nee. Watchman Nee, come and on. And he says that there's a progressive reality even to the book of Ephesians as Paul details the Christian life. That totally. first we sit mm-hmm. in those three chapters. Mm-hmm. Sit first. And that you cannot sit unless you let something else absorb the weight of your being. Good. And as you let God absorb the weight of your being, you are then ready to stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, ready to walk. Walk. And then, and, and that this is what we're at now. And then finally, we're going to get to standing against the mm-hmm. devil, standing right. against the enemy. And one of the things that, that I have carried with me always is how easy it is for evil, or you could say, insert whatever you want, but you could say uh, temporal concerns, mm-hmm. all of that that is vying for our attention that would make us think, eh, Sundays, it doesn't really matter that we get together. We'll get back there. But the idea that uh, to stand against the devil and all of his schemes is preceded by first sitting in the finished work of Christ and then walking. And part of the, the truth, the, the, the real walk is, is a walking together. Absolutely. And we see that most tactically and practically worked out together when we recognize that one of the enemies that Jesus destroyed on the cross is the tyranny of the urgent. Yeah. And yet when we have a tendency to resurrect that monster, that causes divides and uh, destruction, candidly, in the body. But that tyranny of urgent has been destroyed. So there should be nothing more important than us having fellowship because that actually, there's a one plus one equals like three or four because the spirit of God that indwells us both. And when you help get a whole bunch of people, man, that is the greatest proclamation of the gospel that there can be. So it's worth it. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm super excited. Are you going to do, are you going to get into wives and husbands this week or is this Easter? Are we taking a break? We're taking a pause for Holy Week, the Passion Week. We will get into, when Paul finishes off in verse 21 about submit to one another, what follows for the rest of the chapter and into the first part of chapter six is case studies of what submitting to one another sure. looks like. So we yeah. kind of call it submission impossible. Uh, so what does this look like? Well, it requires a whole lot of supernatural indwelling. But for this coming Sunday, it's Resurrection Sunday. We're going to spend some time in the text looking at the resurrection of Jesus. Don't miss it and invite your friends. We've got an 830 service and a 10 o'clock Correct. service this Sunday. And if you're up and at them early... We're going to have a 7 o'clock sunrise service in the coffee garden, complete with some breakfast tacos afterwards and that delicious foundry coffee you come to know and love. We will see you next week. Thanks for hanging out with us at What's the Word Downtown. God bless. Bye now.